a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. In this podcast, ELN reporter Dimitris Mavrokafalidis speaks with climate activists and campaigners from Ukraine about their lives and dreams after nearly two weeks of continuous Russian invasion and war. While the number of refugees fleeing Ukraine has reached two million, Yulia Pashkovska, executive director of the Ukrainian NGO Ekoltrava, and Konstantin Krynitsky, head of energy departments of Ukrainian NGO EcoAction, explain how the current crisis sees Putin weaponizing oil and gas money to threaten livelihoods and fuel terror with escalating violence, underscoring the fossil fuel system's role in driving conflict. So today we are speaking with campaigners and climate activists uh, in uh, Ukraine. Uh, thank you, Julia. Thank you, Kostadin, for uh, joining us at such difficult situation and times for uh, Ukraine. I would like to start in asking you, uh, how's things going uh, right now in the Ukraine? I'm in Poltava now. It's a city between Kyiv and Kharkiv. Now it's kind of silent and calm here, but of course we are all preparing uh, maybe to something worse. Uh, and there are a lot of people, uh, thousands of people from Kharkiv, uh, which are um, under bombing all of these days. And um, uh, my friend, my colleagues told me that they want to destroy the city completely. So yeah. we are volunteering actually, we are trying to do our best in this situation to find, uh, uh, as for me, I try to find my place, even not as an environmental activist now, but uh, just another type of activism to support my country. Uh, and uh, a lot of people are very united now, very much. Yeah, and I'm originally like, I'm based in Kyiv and our organization is based in Kyiv and I woke up like at 5.10, 5.20 a.m. Uh, on the first day, on the 21st of February, because we heard, uh, my girlfriend and I, we heard bombs. Uh, and we decided on the first day to move to, to other region outside of Kyiv, because we, we understood like what, what's been happening and this is like a full-scale war. Uh, so currently I'm in relatively like safe place, but we don't know what will happen like even today, but also tomorrow and the day after. And what has been happening, so basically uh, there are fierce, fierce fighting uh, in the capital, around the capital, around Kiev, uh, in eastern Ukraine, in Donbas region, around Kharkiv, Sumy, Chernihiv, Mariupol, Kherson. So basically it's uh, the uh, north of Ukraine, south of Ukraine, east of Ukraine. So basically the biggest towns uh, are now un under constant shellings and bombing from Russian forces. The evidence is that they are deliberate. So they are deliberately shelling res residential areas, uh, critical infrastructure facilities. Uh, and for now, uh, like the latest data, I saw that uh, more than 2,000 people were killed because of that. So this is like, we are living currently in a full-scale war uh, against Russia. So, uh, and, and we are also like, like a civil society. We are trying to understand what we can do. And what I am focusing on is the topics of energy security and energy topic as a whole, because we have like, uh, what what will become of, become of Ukrainian energy system, which is now operating in isolated mode. The uh, discussion and the problem and the huge danger of nuclear, because Russians seized the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, they, they are controlling the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, plus the, this big topic of, of like banning uh, Russian uh, fossil fuels or gas coal, uh, because really this is what fueling this war, this like money coming from, from, from buying Russian fossils. 
how people uh, are reacting uh, in this uh, situation, uh, I guess that someone living in this uh, situation, in this uh, kind of uh, war, probably feels like is afraid uh, every single day about what will happen the next day or in the next uh, minute. Uh, are you afraid of, you know, of living uh, in these current places that uh, you are? And how about your families? Okay, so um, of course a lot of people um, are living in Ukraine now, maybe not uh, entire Ukraine, but some of regions and just moved to western part of Ukraine, uh, as I'm situated in the eastern, eastern central part. Uh, first few days I was scared too, um, it was hard emotionally, and I have a small daughter, so of course I, I care about her life. And, uh, you know, as I have a lot of contacts in all of the uh, all around the globe, uh, a lot of my colleagues and friends uh, uh, call me and tell me, come to my country, from Brazil to Estonia, from France to Poland. Uh, but as for me, I decided to stay here because I feel that here is my place and I need to be here now, even it's dangerous, but uh, everyone decides for itself, of course. And uh, my team is here. I mean, Koltava's team is in Poltava, so I need to care about our organization also. Uh, and we try to call uh, all governments and all companies and financial institutions to divest, uh, to divest uh, and uh, end all trade with Russia and uh, ban Russian gas, oil, and um, and to stop uh, has any relation with this country and to support Ukraine in this case. Uh, I would say the situation also like has a double because on one hand, okay, I heard the bombings and I got scared and I think this a normal reaction when you hear like bombs, like the, the sound of the bombs. But, and we have like uh, the latest estimate is that like uh, one million and a half people left Ukraine to the West, to the European countries. Uh, but on the other hand, we see this also like mobilization of society, like people are uh, standing together with each other, like trying to help each other, trying to mobilize. So we have people who are, who are real heroes on the front line, so who are defending the country, but we have people uh, in other regions that are helping, be it um, media work, be it financially, be it other, other, other components that also like create this uh, feeling of togetherness. And uh, what I also saw that like 100,000 people, Ukrainians from abroad, a man came to Ukraine also to fight uh, against Russia. So this is like uh, some people, of course, are scared and uh, mainly like people with small children that are trying to evacuate to a safe place. Uh, but also we have this mobilization of actually everybody uh, that I know are, are trying to contribute in some way because not all people are like equipped uh, to be like a fighter with a uh, gun and like actually going to war, but trying to find these spheres where you are the most useful, where your knowledge and skills and contacts are the most useful. This is what I'm seeing around myself and around Ukraine right now. Do you feel that other countries are uh, doing much to help uh, your own country? Uh, of course, uh, we have seen uh, on uh, last Thursday that the International Energy Agency published uh, a plan to limit uh, the dependence on uh, Russian oil and gas. Uh, of course, here in uh, the UK also, there are some companies and local authorities that they have imposed uh, sanctions on uh, Russian oil and gas uh, uh, companies. How do you feel about all these things? I know that um, Europe still um, 
uh, has a huge um, import of Russian gas each day, and uh, it does not stop. Uh, and we feel very strange and uh, sad about it because uh, each um, a dollar from this import is going to war, to weapons uh, from Russian side, going to bombs, uh, to make bombs. And we are really, uh, really sad about it. I think, um, of course, government's trying to do something to stop Russia. But as we see, it's not enough because cities are still bombing. Cities are still damaging. And I think each company, each big company, uh, they should think now and really, really, really make a huge divestment from Surgut, Neftegas, from Lukoil, from uh, uh, Russian coal companies, from Rosneft, from Gazprom, from Transneft, and others and others Russian companies uh, which are supported. Uh, this damaging and this very uh, this war. And I also think that like the sanctions that have been imposed are good. Like uh, I know the European Union and how they are like sometimes very slow in reacting to something. So the the sanctions that were imposed they're, they're extraordinary for the standards of European Union of the reaction time. But still, I agree completely with Julia that this is not enough. And make no mistake that this war, this Russia's war against Ukraine, is being financed by gas, oil, and coal industries. And Russia has them weaponized. Uh, and European countries and other countries in the world, they are very uh, heavily dependent on this fossil fuel. And I think what uh, the miscalculation that was made in the West is that uh, the annexation of Crimea and the start of war in Donbas region eight years ago must have been the wake-up call for this kind of sanctions. They weren't. So now we also have the, uh, the situation currently, the war in, in Ukraine, and this status quo, this practice of, okay, business as usual, uh, okay, we, we will impose some sanctions, but then we'll be buying from uh, Russia like fossil fuels. Uh, this is like full-fledged fossil addiction. And like the countries in Europe must kick it uh, because it's, it's very dangerous. And what some are, some are saying, like, okay, we can limit uh, the, the import, we can like restructure our contracts. Uh, in my opinion, it's not enough. It's not enough because every day uh, Russia receives millions and millions of euros. The day they turn into like financing the, the war uh, and the planes and the tanks and uh, so on that are killing Ukrainian citizens. You know, on the other hand, uh, someone might uh, say that, you know, just yesterday, Vladimir Putin said that all these uh, sanctions uh, are equivalent to a declaration of war. What's your thoughts on, on this kind of things? But, but it's already war. <laughs> and, you know, thousands of people are dying here. Uh, okay, of course, you. Uh, I, I understand governments, they are worried about um, their countries and people, but we are also part of Europe. I, I told that um, I think it's not uh, fair that uh, we are fighting alone uh, against uh, uh, this big country. I think we need more support because uh, we are, Ukraine is quite important country for Europe as well. And um, I don't know, I think it's not a good situation, but what I want to say about ordinary people, they are completely gorgeous in all of the European, American uh, and other, other countries, because 
uh, when I see all of these thousands and hundreds of thousands of people on the squares of European cities, American cities, uh, it's so much supportive for Ukrainians. We see it, really. We see it. We appreciate it so much. It is very important now. And, you know, uh, just a few days before war started, um, we, with our colleagues, were in Budapest in the meeting of guest activists, activists who are fighting against gas extraction. And we just uh, spoke uh, uh, about um, some fights in Ukraine uh, and some fights in Europe. And these people uh, support Ukrainian refugees now so much. They're helping with food. They're helping with housing. So ordinary people are very beautiful and strong now. Yeah, and I would add that, okay, Ukraine is at war, but also the West is, is at war also because by supporting Ukraine, they, they are part of it. So I, I also understand like, okay, everybody is scared of Putin, of not all the army, because we currently see what kind of army it is, but more of the nuclear weapons. But then the, all the history that I see of Putin, like the war in Georgia, the accession of Crimea, the war currently in Ukraine, there's also a history of this, uh, this line. Where you, do you draw the line? And then Putin oversteps it. So the West cannot be in the delusion that they're like, okay, we can sit it out. You cannot sit it out. So I think this is, this is what, what needs to be realized. And uh, also like this uh, help is the weapons, help, help is the jets, establish an off-white zone also. This is what needs to be on the table because otherwise uh, there will be a huge, huge, uh, huge problem um, in Ukraine, yes, but also for the, for the Europe and the United States. You have joined a call of hundreds of uh, organizations that call on governments uh, to reject and ban uh, the importation of Russian oil and gas. Can you tell us a little bit more about this letter that was signed uh, by all these organizations? Oh, it was very urgent, urgent and very quick initiative uh, led by uh, main international um, climate and uh, uh, fossil free organizations uh, and um, some Ukrainian activists like Svetlana Romanko. And uh, we are appreciating very much about this uh, urgent support uh, because I think more than 500 organizations already signed this letter. It's huge. I am campaigner also. I worked at 350 during three years and I haven't seen uh, before such a huge support of uh, any another document uh, and campaign. Uh, we really hope, we really do hope that uh, it would have a strong impact on the governments. Yeah, and this is a very important topic of banning Russia fossil fuels because 40% like of Russia's budget comes from oil and gas, which also make up 60% of Russia's exports. So the West and the countries uh, need to make sanctions where they actually hurt and dry up this uh, revenue stream, which Russia also uses to uh, to finance the war and their the, the operations uh, inside Russia and in Ukraine. Uh, so this letter uh, also calls like all the governments, uh, also private companies, financial institutions to divest and to uh, end all trade and embargo of uh, all fossil fuel from Russia, uh, be it gas, be it oil, be it coal. So this is, uh, I think this is also very, very, very important in ending this war, uh, because otherwise uh, Putin can also say, okay, I have money, I can do it indefinitely, uh, and drying up this stream, it can be like a very potent weapon 
to actually stop this war. My next question is about uh, the current state of the climate activism in Ukraine. You know, uh, we hear uh, every day a lot about climate movements uh, in Europe, in the US, but not so much uh, regarding uh, what is happening in places like Ukraine, where uh, the narrative tends to focus more on the battle and the dependence on uh, Russia. How the Ukrainians are engaged in the climate crisis right now? Most of my colleagues and friends, uh, uh, they are very involved now uh, in informational support uh, and informational campaign against Russia. And also in the same time, they are volunteering uh, in their cities to support Air Force, um, uh, to support um, our army, uh, yes, uh, and uh, to find uh, fight against uh, Russia. Uh, so we have like <laughs> both sides uh, of activism, climate and another side also. Uh, and um, we are united, we, we have a joint communication. For example, just two, I think two days ago, there was a joint call with Ministry of Environment. It was a very honest talk with our minister, and uh, we decided uh, to, commu to communicate often, to have, uh, to bring together different initiatives uh, which um, Ukrainian NGOs starting during this war and uh, like be, uh, be like one front line. And from my side, I also add that uh, currently we are all, all the NGOs, actually, like uh, we have so many NGOs in Ukraine working on different, different topics. We have a vibrant civil society and what I'm seeing, all the NGOs are trying to mobilize to win the war, to help however they can. So basically what Action been doing before the war, we, we focused on matters of energy efficiency, renewables, uh, renewables, uh, phasing out of coal, phasing out of nuclear. And now we understand that talking about, okay, let's talk about energy efficiency and renewables. It's not a good time to, to, to talk about it. We will talk about it later when we are talking about reconstruction of Ukraine, said uh, uh, that we will use energy efficient technologies, renewable technologies, but it will be later. Now uh, we are focusing on the, uh, first of all, communication part, also uh, talking to you, uh, for example, and uh, writing petitions, writing open letters uh, to governments, to companies uh, like this letter. So to, to, to bring this also uh, Ukrainian perspective, because I, I can imagine that in European countries, there's also uh, a, a huge hand of Russian propaganda and Russian narratives, what is happening and what has been happening, what, what is Ukraine, what Ukraine isn't. So we are trying to be also this voice that uh, tries to counter this, this propaganda from Russian side. Uh, plus, uh, we are uh, also trying to help uh, our ministries, ministers of environment, ministers of energy. We are communicating how can we help actually like maybe disseminate information, maybe help with something, uh, etc. And of course, uh, some colleagues um, help with humanitarian needs and organize like humanitarian uh, help from uh, different regions uh, to Kyiv, to Kharkiv, to the, to the places that are the most hit for the moment because of the war. Yeah, we just joke with my friends that uh, from one side we are climate activists, from another side we are logists now. Today we are uh, in the 11th day of uh, this uh, war and I'm just wondering, have you ever thought that uh, probably you might be forced to leave your own country amid this situation just to protect yourselves? Oh, but you know, Europe is not so much flexible for all of these millions of Ukrainians. And uh, as for me, oh, I don't want so much to be a refugee. I like, I, I love my country. I, I love my land. And I want to live here. Actually, we are used to live in very independent country. Uh, now I realized how 
how much freedom we 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 had <laughs> in the past and we still have uh, to be yourself and to make your activism to do your actions it is very important for ukrainians that's why actually we are fighting so much now because the situation is right is in russia is completely different I would say that in some even European countries, the situation is completely different than in Ukraine with freedom. So we are very lucky people. That's why we are fighting so much now. I don't want to think even about it because it's very hard. It's um, um, for me personally. I, I don't judge another people because really I see now that uh, people try to find their place and to help Ukraine from different, different places, from Ukraine, from other countries. It is very important. And in the future, it will be even more important. But for me, I want to stay here and maybe only if uh, we will lost our independence, I will move somewhere, not maybe, and definitely I will move because in another case, I will die here. They will kill such people as me, I'm sure. They will kill such people as me, as my daughter, as my relatives. But to prevent this situation, we need to stay here. We need to stay to support our country. We need to be strong emotionally as well and psychologically to be strong. And we need to stay, we need to stand against this war and this army. And truth be told, I was thinking about like maybe leaving uh, Ukraine on the first day because it was like a very intense day. Uh, but now I see that I, I don't think about it. Uh, I, I'm sure that I will be staying in Ukraine and trying to help from inside of Ukraine. Uh, plus also uh, for me right now, it's very difficult to imagine the situation like Ukraine is the biggest country in Europe, like bigger than Greece, bigger than United Kingdom, bigger than, than Germany, etc. And uh, I don't think that the Russians actually have the resources to occupy all the towns, all the cities, and uh, actually even the towns that they are now currently temporarily occupying in um, uh, southern Ukraine. You see every day there are pro-Ukrainian demonstrations uh, forcing Russian forces to take a step back. So I don't see even from a logistics perspective and even from human resources perspective that Russia can actually control Ukraine. Okay, they can they can do something to Kyiv in the worst case scenario, but still Ukraine is independent. Uh, we have regions, we have like uh, our defenses in the regions and people will continue to fight. So I, uh, for now, I can I cannot even imagine the situation where the, like Ukraine will be subjugated because it's, it's, it's so Russia doesn't have resources for, for it, like in, in my view, in pra practical view. But also, I think that I am more useful being staying, staying in Ukraine and being in Ukraine and communicating from Ukraine. Julia and Kosobin, thank you very, very much for your time. It was really a pleasure to you. Wishing you all the best in this current situation. I know it is uh, extremely, extremely difficult. Thank you very much for, for this uh, discussion. It was really, you know, intriguing and interesting to hear from all of you. Thank you for listening to this Energy Live News podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.energylivenews.com.